You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. People are beginning to wake up to the downside of the tech world. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. We need to find ways to share this wealth so that people aren't suffering on the streets. You're giving your time to help others, and in the process, it helps you as well. The more people who see what happens over in the courthouse and know what's really going on, people would really be horrified. This is KCBS In-Depth. These last two months of pandemic and lockdown have been a trying time for many. But in the face of all these challenges, we've seen countless examples of people coming together to offer support to their neighbors in need. I'm Keith Menconi. This is KCBS In-Depth. And today on the program, we're going to actually focus on just one corner of the Bay Area, San Francisco's Bayview District, which has been among the city's hardest hit by the virus. But with a strong network of community groups already there before the pandemic began, it's also been the site of a whirlwind of organizing and outreach. All this past week, KCBS has been reporting from the Bayview for a series we called Crisis and Community, bringing you stories of community organizers providing much-needed support. Thank you. Thank you. And in just a few minutes, we'll be hearing from some of those organizers. But first, we're going to speak with San Francisco Supervisor Shimon Walton, whose district includes the Bayview and Hunters Point neighborhoods. It's a section of the city that has long suffered from stagnant wages, divestment, pollution, and many other challenges. So I started our conversation asking Supervisor Walton how those pre-existing conditions have played into the current crisis. We, we know from, if you look at what UCSF was able to do in the mission and look at the results of who's contracted the virus, we know that low-income communities um, are uh, contracting the virus at higher rates. We know that uh, people who are still working um, are contracting the virus at higher rates. And I, I think if you look at um, some of the, the jobs that are available and the fact that we do have uh, a large portion of low-income folks in, in, in our community, they're still going to work, which puts them around the public more often. I also think that lack of uh, proper protective equipment, uh, at least in the beginning, was something that uh, people didn't have. And so we've actually been spending the last couple of weeks really going out into community, uh, public housing community or hotspots where some people have um, not necessarily followed shelter in place orders, going out there, giving them masks, giving them hand sanitizer, giving them gloves, along with providing them with information and letting them know what the data demonstrates so that they can see and understand that this virus is to be taken seriously. Uh, People in our communities are contracting it at higher rates and making sure that we can do what we can to keep people safe and keep them alive. But it's a combination of income, combination of the fact that people have to go to work, a combination of making sure that information gets uh, to all of communities so that they can have what they need to keep themselves safe. And then if you look at the fact that we also have um, second largest portion of unhoused population folks living in congregate settings, particularly uh, and encampments in our community. These are all vulnerable populations that exist in the 94124 zip code and in, in District 10. And so uh, we know that the, these vulnerable populations contract the virus at a higher rate, which is why it's disheartening um, that we're waiting so long to increase who we test, 
and where we test uh, is very problematic, and particularly knowing that most health disparities and most negative he health outcomes have been uh, affecting our community for decades, and we, we could be more proactive because we know that. Mm. Well, I, I wonder, Supervisor Walton, what sorts of concerns arise for you as this crisis and this lockdown continue? Obviously, there are a lot of economically vulnerable folks that uh, live in your district, and and we've already seen a number of businesses close. So what are the sorts of long-term uh, damages that we might expect to see here, and, and what can be done uh, to prevent some of those consequences? Definitely, anytime we have a crisis and a pandemic of this magnitude, which is unprecedented for my lifetime, um, particularly because this was caused by a health crisis and not because of economic downturn, uh, but anytime you go through something this devastating, the negative consequences, which are not foreseeable even right now at this time, cause, cause for major concern. And I am concerned about what the impacts may be long-term. Uh, there are a lot of good things that were in community and on the way to community. Uh, and a lot of things we were fighting for that we were starting to see coming to fruition. A lot of community benefits agreements and resources coming to community from some of our development projects and from some of the things that uh, we, we were expecting and fought for to come to community. Uh, so I am very concerned about what, what COVID-19 crisis is gonna do to a lot of the opportunity that was on the way. Um, and those are things that um, we continue to monitor and continue to do everything we can with, with, within our office to make sure that things are, are still going to be available when we come out of this crisis. Because if we do not, if we're not able to realize some of the things that we've been fighting for for decades because of this crisis, uh, then it, it's really going to have a more devastating impact on our businesses and on our community uh, than, than we could imagine. All right. Well, up next on KCBS In Depth, we are going to switch gears just a little bit and hear now from some of the community organizers that we profiled during this past week's Crisis and Community series, which once again highlighted stories of both the struggles and solidarity that we've seen in San Francisco's Bayview neighborhood since this crisis began. We are going to welcome on first, though, one of my colleagues who helped report out that series, KCBS reporter Melissa Culross, who will be joining me to host today's program. So welcome to the show, Melissa Culross. Thank you very much, Keith. And now welcoming on those organizers. First, want to say hello to Joy Jackson Morgan, the executive director of Third Street Youth Center and Clinic. Uh, welcome to the show, Joy Jackson Morgan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And lastly, we are welcoming on Kristen Houck. She is the owner and operator of three restaurants in the Bayview, All Good Pizza, Tato, and Cafe Elma. And she's been doing some organizing herself as well around the food issue there. So, Kristen Houck, welcome to KCBS In-Depth. Thanks so much. Great to be so this has been obviously a very busy time for everybody, uh, but it's it's not just a matter of doing more work. It's been a matter of uh, figuring out the new work that you need to learn how to do because uh, everything's different right now. So I thought I would start by asking both of you, what are the new things that you're doing to meet the needs in your community? And uh, let's start with you, Joy. So uh, the focus of your work is uh, with children to a large extent. Uh, what have kids need dur needed during this time and uh, how have you had to modify your operations to meet those needs? Yeah, so we see youth from ages 12 to 24. So that's that 
that little window of adolescence and young adulthood. And so, you know, we provide clinical services, we provide uh, housing services for young people, uh, behavioral health. And so we've seen like this, this uptake in, um, in needing more mental health services during this time, having to deliver food to, to young people at their houses um, is something new. Before it was like they could just come and pick up food, but now we have to go out into various parts of uh, the Bay Area to deliver food. And so I think those have been like the two biggest changes of going online, also having programming online and having to deliver food. And Kristen, uh, to turn to you and your businesses, you know, we hear a lot about the toll that this pandemic is taking on restaurants. Tell, talk to us a little bit about how your businesses have changed, what you have, have had to do and how what you do has fit into helping the community. Yeah. Um, so I closed really early as soon as I, you know, as soon as the directive came out, I pretty much closed immediately. And um, each of my three restaurants have all been participating in different things. At Cafe Alma, I have a really large space and I've been working um, in conjunction with the San Francisco African-American faith-based organization to turn that space into a food distribution site. Um, Veronica Shepard of the Department of Public Health has really been the lead in that. And she's done an amazing job of organizing volunteers to come in and uh, take over the space to prepare food for San Francisco and families. Every week we're preparing about 750 bags of food with tremendous and amazing support of Earl's Organics and the San Francisco Marin Food Bank. So that's been really incredible there. Um, At Tato, I've been really fortunate to work with San Francisco New Deal, which is an organization that was actually started by Lenora Strada. She's a woman that has a business in Bayview as well. She owns Three Babes Bake Shop. And um, she she and the Twitch founder, uh, who was incredibly generous and put up a million dollars to start this organization, mobilized incredibly quickly and within a matter of days had a nonprofit up and running that works to keep small businesses like mine in business um, by providing meals for vulnerable populations throughout San Francisco. So I've been really, really fortunate to work with that program. I'm a team captain of that program and working with other restaurants as well. Um, But most importantly, it's really, it's kept my staff employed and been able to fit a tremendous community need. I think right now, one of the things that we're seeing happen is that because people are sheltering in place and we want them to obviously shelter in place, um, people, the access, like Joy mentioned, the access is completely different. So we're really trying to be able to get food out to people and we're having to do that in new and creative ways. And um, SF New Deal has just been extraordinary in meeting that need. You know, restaurants also are really our community spaces. And it's different when you can't have uh, dine-in options. Have you found that the work that you're, you're doing continues the um, community space aspect of your businesses? It does. I I mean, I feel really strongly about getting food to people who need it. So I feel connected in that way, but I will say I really miss the community. I'm uh, all good pizza and Tato are both on third street, which is our primary corridor of Bayview. There's a lot of characters on third street. I really miss seeing my customers. I really miss seeing the people that make third street what it is. And I know that even my staff feels that way. So the loss of community is definitely felt. Um, Again, I, you know, being able to work with SF New Deal and doing the type of work that we're doing now has 
been really fulfilling. So I feel fortunate in that way. But if I wasn't doing that work, I think I'd be desperate for my customers and for community right now. Mm. And uh, just bringing a little bit more of uh, the the community and uh, the, the character of the district into the conversation, uh, Joy Jackson Morgan, I know that uh, one of the things that Melissa and I were noticing as we did our reporting this week that uh, it, it's not just a matter of uh, folks stepping up in bigger ways to, to help one another during times of crisis. Uh, the times of crisis also really put a strain on the uh, the parts of uh, your neighborhood that were kind of strained to begin with. And uh, I think one aspect that would probably fall under that category is the fact that uh, the district is considered a food desert and there was already uh, lots of challenges in folks getting the healthy food that they need. Uh, how have you seen that unfold and how are people uh, confronting that during to, 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 to come into that this with that already being a challenge? How are people trying to get the healthy food out there? Yeah, so I think um, Kristen kind of alluded to this a little bit around um, the the importance of everyone sticking together and making sure that your neighbor gets what they need. So there's just been a bevy of um, like different food pantries popping up. I feel like every nonprofit, every business is is trying to make sure that they are uh, helping to to feed their their neighbors. Um, SFUSD school district has been giving out tons of foods to families. Uh, the Bayview Opera House is a food pantry site that is the line is wrapped around the the block every every few days that they're giving the food out. Um, you know, and so I feel like the churches have been doing a tremendous job, the faith-based community of, of getting all this food out, senior centers, making sure that our most vulnerable populations are getting it. Uh, Hope SF has been uh, phenomenal in advocating for the needs of food and and computers. And so it's just an outpouring of, of support and love and community that I think, um, really was needed during this time. And I don't know if we were sure if that was going to happen, but to see that happen, I think it's been phenomenal. Mm. No, I think that that's uh, really interesting. And that's uh, pretty much the story that I was getting from folks there. I have uh, one follow-up for uh, both of you uh, real quick. But before that, I want to remind our listeners that they are listening to KCBS In-Depth, our weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. Today, we are focusing especially on San Francisco's Bayview District as we uh, have all week bringing, been bringing you stories uh, from the district of both uh, community resilience and uh, challenges during this time of pandemic and lockdown. Joining me for the program today is my colleague Melissa Kalross and as our guests, we have Joy Jackson Morgan, who we heard from a second ago. She's the executive director of Third Street Youth Center and Clinic. And we're also joined by Kristen Houck. She's the owner of three different restaurants in Bayview and uh, looking forward to eating at those as soon as I get an opportunity to. Um, the question that I wanted to put to you guys is it, it, you had the sense that people kind of had this choreographed before it all started. It, it felt like people knew what to do and knew where to go. Is that how it felt uh, being in the middle of it? Or how, how was this all sorted out in the early days? that you guys kind of got your bearing? Uh, yeah, so I think, you know, I think the Bayview as a community has always been very resilient. I think we're definitely a community that sticks together and works hard to support each other. I know from my perspective as a restaurant owner, I'm very, very close with most all of the restaurant owners of the Bayview. So I think we've got a real a real sense of community and strength in numbers in that way. Um but like Joy said, I think people really rose to the occasion. I think we've got a lot of tremendous organizations operating in Bayview, and we're all really committed to seeing this community thrive and to 
getting the resources and access that we need and that we all feel we deserve. So I think for as much as the pandemic was, you know, unexpected for so many, I think we were really ready to rally behind each other and to work together to try to do anything we could to meet the needs of our community and beyond. I think Bayview, you know, we don't just operate for Bayview. We're, there's a lot of people working in Bayview right now that are helping other communities as well. I, I have to agree. Um, and I think just like Kristen talked about having a connection with restaurant owners, same thing happens with uh, nonprofits, but then you know, I'm second generation Bayview Hunters Point native. And so the connection is there. And for us, it was a lot of text messages um, and and phone calls to say, hey, how can we get this to so-and-so? So I like not just even as uh, executive director of Third Street, but just as a community person being pulled into conversations to say, what do you think will be equitable for the community? How would you like us to dole out this this resource or this like how should we go about it so being a thought partner in a lot of different conversations to to be a connector to to help people get what um they need i think has been uh one of the the strengths of this pandemic as everyone just kind of pulling together especially can around up, oh go ahead no well i was just gonna ask can you think of an example of it it really did take that community insights to understand what somebody needed or how to get it to them or are any any particularly difficult uh, needs that have been met over the last uh, couple of weeks? I think food has been like the biggest struggle for our community again. That's been really striking. People, every single person I've been speaking to, the first thing that they talk about is food. Is that just a matter of everybody needs to eat or, or does that reflect the fact that that was a challenge uh, already? We We've been dealing with food insecurity before this pandemic and... I think the linkages to your earlier question about like, were we just ready to go? Um, I think this has been an issue and we've been trying to figure out ways that we can do it. But when the produce market gets online and Earl's Organic gets online and Jana Cordero, who's been doing a great job of navigating all of this, um, and then OEWD giving out bags or distilleries giving out hand sanitizer. When all those things start to come together, that's how we can address this food insecurity. That wasn't always the case. So I think, yeah, this pandemic has sort of uplifted those challenges. And I think those barriers have gone away because we've been able to kind of move differently to make sure that, you know, it's literally life or death for people. And so with that sort of sense of urgency, um, we've been able to deliver on that for everybody. What would you say, what would each of you say that you need uh, as this as this crisis continues? What kind of support would you like to see come into your organizations, be it the restaurants, SF New Deal, or Joy, your nonprofit? Yeah, um, I think really what we need um, at Third Street specifically, um, more volunteers to help us with this food delivery. Um, for us, it's not matter of need, but more so capacity. So every week we have to turn away some young people because we may not have someone who can help drive or deliver um, the food to them. And then, I mean, supporting our essential workers is, is crucial right now. They are putting their lives on the line every day to serve young people. And this is not something that leaders have budgeted for. Right. Um, All the extra expenses that come with this, um, trying to address the needs. Again, it was unforeseen. So we also need some financial support um, to help fill in some of the gaps that 
we didn't think about. Let's uh, let's put the Melissa's question to you now, uh, Kristen. So uh, what do you feel like you need? I think just in general, Bayview, it's visibility. You know, I think that a lot of the work. Well, that- why'd you come to radio? We can't help with visibility <laughs> at all. You can't help with visibility because it's talking about communities that are underserved. It's really sharing stories. It's sharing stories of people like Joy who are doing incredible work in this community, but there's a lot more to be done. Um, I think, you know, we really benefit from having so many people that are so engaged here in this community, but we do have situations and we do have housing sites that really need more help. And I think shedding a light on that. And like Joy said, you know, pre-pandemic, we had issues. Post-pandemic, we'll continue to have issues. And that goes for the entire, you know, that's not just San Francisco. That's people in need all over the place. But I think really letting people understand um, our community. We have such a beautiful community in Bayview. There's so many people who are so committed to making this community a stronger and, you know, constantly growth oriented. And I think that the resources that need to be allocated to these, to these places and people are, are major and anything that we can do to, to bring visibility to that, I think is, is helpful. I can see my colleague, uh, Melissa, has a question, and I'll hand it over to her in just a second. But want to remind anybody who's just wandering through right now that you are listening to KCBS In Depth. Our guests today are Joy Jackson Morgan, Executive Director of the Third Street Youth Center and Clinic, as well as Kristen Houck, owner and operator of three restaurants, All Good Pizza, Tao, and Cafe Alma. Uh, all of them, you may have noticed, are in San Francisco's Bayview District, and that's what we're talking about today, uh, as we have been all week discussing stories of solidarity in the face of this pandemic crisis. Uh, turning things back over to my colleague, Melissa Kalross. Melissa? And Kristen, something actually, something both of you were saying got me thinking about what comes next. This pandemic is going to end one day. And when it does, what comes next for the neighborhood? What comes next for getting these underserved communities served? What would you like to see? I think just a lot more of the same. I think a lot of new relationships have been forged throughout this time. And I think that um, strengthening those relationships, continuing to build on them, continuing to direct resources to the people who need it most um, by way of partnerships, by way of coalitions. Um, you know, there's a lot of people right now that are working together that may have otherwise not have had that opportunity. So I think building on those relationships is key. I agree wholeheartedly. I think we are now the the new Bayview <laughs> where um, these relationships are not just going to go away because the pandemic is is over. But I think a lot of new leadership emerged during this time and um, I think advocacy is going to come out of this. I think because we've shown our strength and that we can get things done, I think now we'll be able to advocate for our community for other resources that we've you know, been needing for a long time. And so um, seeing that we are a united community and not just you know, advocating for self-interest, I think we'll play, play to our favor when it comes to the advocacy outside of uh, this, this pandemic. Outside of economic recovery, I think Third Street will be pushing to have uh, more access to health um, in many different ways, in addition to the food, right? Like I think now food delivery is going to be a service that we're gonna just offer to our young people versus having them come to us. But I think getting uh, more health services into these, like into the fray again, um, I think is going to be needed in terms of recovery. I think we've peeled away um, 
you know, how important health and, and keeping our community healthy is to other underlying issues, right? Like um, dealing with the high rates of diabetes and high blood pressure made um, our community more susceptible to this disease. And I think now as a, as a health facility with a medical and, and health lens, I think we need to start pushing for more health policies, more access to health, more, you know, um, access to our parks and, and programming that way to make sure that our community stays healthy in addition to the food, of course. On top of all of this, Bayview, from what I have learned from the reporting here and from what I've observed uh, over the years living in San Francisco, although I, I do live on the other side of town, Bayview is a, a strong community. Have have there been moments you found, and no pun intended when I say this joy, have there been moments of joy that you found doing this work and responding to this crisis in a community that is so strong to begin with? Yeah, I mean, you know, my my parents grew up here and to hear their stories of how community um, came together um, in, in trying times always felt like a, a fairy tale to me. And so, you know, I'm an 80s baby and, you know, it was not that it wasn't that great um, growing up and just seeing my community become disenfranchised before my eyes was devastating. And so to see this, you know, this real community sense of of we're a family, we help our neighbors, we loan things to each other to see that now I get to say, like, I saw my community go through that same sort of um so same sort of vibe. And it just feels great to have that and to, to live through this experience right now um, to see how strong and resilient my my community is. I've always benefited from that strength and resilience and to see it and to be a part of it um, really has been joyful. Have you had the same sense, Kristen, as all this has unfolded? Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. We were delivering to a housing site the other day and I was talking to the woman that um, was organizing there and we were just talking about the benefits of, of this type of work. And she said something to me that I hadn't really even thought of, which seems kind of crazy, but she said, you know, having a meal delivered allows people and gives them the privilege of sheltering in place. And it's something that's a really important thing to think about that for those of us that don't have food security issues and, um, you know, the thought of, not having any food at home to be able to stay home and not risk your health is pretty profound. So that really made my day. And to think about the fact that we can get food out to people that can then stay home and stay healthy is a huge thing. And I definitely have found joy in that. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And uh, just a little taste of uh, the Bayview that Melissa and I got this week uh, was also a sense of joy uh, racing along, trying to keep up with the, the folks delivering food from uh, St. John Baptist Church. That kept me on my toes, uh, but uh, really fun hanging out with them, too. So uh, we do thank you both for joining us. It's uh, been really good and uh, inspiring to hear uh, about all the great work that you're doing. Uh, we have been speaking to Joy Jackson Morgan, the executive director of Third Street Youth Center and Clinic. Uh, Joy Jackson Morgan, thanks for being on KCBS In Depth. Thanks for having me. And thanks as well to Kristen Houck, once again, the owner and operator of three restaurants in Bayview, which uh, we will all get the opportunity to try out again soon enough. Thanks to you as well, Kristen Houck. Thanks so much. And uh, last of all, thank you, Melissa Carl-Ross. Good to have you on the show. Thank you, Keith, for having me. And thank you all for listening. For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Manconi. We'll see you next time. 
You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit kcbsradio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS.